sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. The Battle of Armageddon looms large in Christian literature, in our thinking about Bible prophecy, but will it be something that happens by design or by accident? That is a very significant question. One of the most astute observers of the modern situation of church and state is my friend and colleague, the editor of Liberty Magazine and frequent guest on Freedom's Ring, Lincoln Steed. Lincoln, welcome back, my friend. Always good to be on the program. So you're concerned, I think, as we've talked, that there is evangelical theology that could be kind of driving to a kind of intentional Armageddon. Is that an overstatement? No, and it gets back uh, in our era to Ronald Reagan. Remember, he was talking about Armageddon and putting it in uh, Good versus Evil and, you know, the final showdown. Then George Bush uh, Jr., uh, on one classic occasion, he was calling to the French president and raving on about Gog and Magog need to be defeated. And the president had to ask his advisors, you know, what's this Gog and Magog? And he was told, well, there's Americans that are sort of tied up on Bible prophecy. But with the Trump administration, while he may not be uh, a theological cognoscenti, he's gathered about him people who have a very clear vision in their view of a biblical role and end-time prophecy in current events, which has directly informed their, uh, uh, you know, taking a rod in the eye of Iran by killing Soleimani, who could have been killed any number of times. He was not invulnerable, but it was a matter of statecraft. And it seemed ill-advised to other administrations and at other times. Televangelist James Hagee, who I've heard many times giving a captivating end-time scenario in the Middle East, has been whispering in the ear of Trump advisors, or such uh, Trump uh, close associates, Secretary of State Pompeo and Vice President Pence. Uh, not to mention uh, son-in-law Jared Kushner, who... Uh, uh, is a little bit more than just a Jewish son-in-law. He has a very clear vision for Israel and, and its role in the Middle East and a biblical role. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, these people are all about their views, but it gives uh, uh, the average citizen a little pause when a theological agenda is driving, uh, you know, a secular nation. And, and as I think you said in the introduction, they might actually want to precipitate a showdown that might not be warranted otherwise. Well, this is the thing. So you think that um, the attack, the assassination of Soleimani, uh, the Iranian military leader, that that really was part of uh, this kind of, you know, driven by evangelical motivations? Well, the evidence is very plain. You know, the impeachment (laughs) fell down on a supposed hearsay that people close to the situation reported something, and it seems obvious to most people, and insiders have reported this. But in particular, it was uh, the vice president and the secretary of state that were urging killing Salamini. And, you know, we never know uh, what connection they had to other 
political dynamic, but they have a preformed view that Iran needs to be reined in because this is the power that seems to most threaten Israel. I think myself, quite apart from religious liberty, that the U.S. and its its evangelical uh, advocates have become dupes of Saudi Arabia because most of what's happening in the Middle East is a conflict between Shiite Sunnis and between Saudi Arabia, the Sunni uh, kingpin, and Iran, which is a claimant for the influence in the Middle East, and they're duking it out. And ironically, the West have become a proxy for one party in this war. But with Israel, uh, you know, which has a very interesting history, uh, we all feel sympathetic both for the the, the Jewish diaspora from the uh, genocide of World War II, wanting to go back. We know that England had a funny role, the Balfour Declaration, and, and yet them, them trying to, to hold back the immigration there, and, and a state was formed uh, in war at the time of the Declaration. You know, we don't know all of that. But, uh, you know, we've, we've got to be careful that we see this as a legitimate you know, the legitimate claims of the, the new state of Israel and their antagonists, the Palestinians and so on, and not get mixed up in projecting theology on this part of the world. And, of course, the danger within the United States is that this view will become polarizing in this current climate. You can be seen as anti-American if you don't have a, uh, not just a pro-Israel view, a sort of a pro-conflict view in the Middle East. Well, and see, this is my concern, is that a kind of expectation of Armageddon is encouraging an American role that exacerbates conflict rather than ameliorates conflict. That's the dynamic at the moment. With the, thinking about the, uh, the deal with Iran, we're rushing towards the conflict, even against Iran's own wishes. Right. And they're, you know, they're certainly not acting like they're going to be pushed around, and they're, you know, a much larger, wealthier state than Iraq. It's completely unrealistic for the United States to go to war with Iran. It's just, uh, it's an absurd proposition even to state it. I was very concerned when uh, the United States announced it was going to pull back from Syria and essentially leave the field to the Russians. Because that evoked, in my mind, kind of images of the expectation that Russia would fulfill the Gog and Magog prophecy, sweep from the north, and uh, somehow participate in the Battle of Armageddon there in Israel. Well, we could have another program on what's currently happening there. Turkey is going full bore against Syria at the moment. It's not just the Kurds. They're fighting Syria directly. So apart from anything else, this has the uh, uh, very real possibility of, of an expanding conflict in the Middle East, which will dwarf the crusade of the Middle Ages many times over. And it is a worrying thing for many people, and it didn't come up in the the uh, impeachment controversy, but this president has wondered aloud many times why he can't use nuclear war weapons. Uh, and I mentioned before that Seventh-day Adventists have a clear interest in Bible prophecy, and Revelation 13 says of the United States, or a uh, a force that we identify with the United States, that it brings fire down from heaven in the sight of men. We don't quite know what that is, but I more and more am inclined to think that it's some incredible, devastating sign in front of the other nations, and and that would be irresponsible to bring this on just to prove a theological point. 
Well, in my own view, if that happens, it's a counterfeit of the calling fire down from heaven on Absolutely. earth. Absolutely, which is the Holy Spirit. Well, and it's a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit as well. That's what we're to expect. But, you know, that imagery in Revelation 13 evokes the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, uh, where the test of who was God was going to be whether the prophets of Baal or Elijah, the prophet of Israel, was able to call fire down to consume the sacrifice. Of course, uh, the God of Israel was the one. Right. But, uh, no, we don't know how these things are worked out. You know, uh, figures are one thing, but you can't always say the figure is the reality. So it's something evocative and startling. But uh, uh, it all comes back to the issue that we're pushing. I know you're pushing on your program. There's a certain safety for a civil state in a separation of church and state. Don't allow people with a, you know, a religious agenda push that. Uh, you know, my religious agenda might be great, you know, quite close. Uh, but I think it's very uh, dangerous for the U.S. to uh, be so influenced by people that have a rather apocalyptic end-time view. And it's very self-serving anyway. You know, I've said it before on this show. Chuck Colson, one of the, you know, most prominent Christians of our lifetimes, one of his early books, Kingdoms in Conflict, a fictional short story, and he wrote it soon after he emerged from the Nixon White House. He wrote a, a fictional story about an American president making critical decisions in uh, with respect to conflict in the Middle East based on an expectation that this was Armageddon. Yeah. And Colson warned, he warned decades ago of the dangers of this kind of you know, theology and eschatology taking, you know, to front and center in advising foreign policy decisions. It is really, really a well, dangerous, volatile mix. Right. He wrote that at the time of Reagan. And, and you know, we were toying with it during Reagan's period, but I think we're, it's far more overt now. And I don't know what you and I can do about it. But I really think our, our constituency and the citizenry should be a little forewarned on this, because while there's certain noise made on it, it's not clarified what's really driving a lot of these actions. Well, and, you know, on a subject like this, the reality is that neither the liberal or conservative media um, really get or report on the religious aspects of what's influencing policy. No, because it's another language for the secular press. They, they don't understand it whatsoever. And so it takes, you know, it takes a little bit of digging and insight to really see what, you know, what's actually happening. Um, and it's just, and I don't know if you've had another program on this, but this recent Middle East plan that was laid down by this administration as president is less really a plan if you know this pre-agenda than an ultimatum. Why don't you explain a little bit about that? We just have about a minute before we close. Well, there was no negotiations with the Palestinians. The uh, the state is a is a hodgepodge that makes the Berlin Wall and the uh, and the singular road connecting Berlin across ter any of the territories look far more tenable than what the Palestinians would be left with. They were uh, the, the the thing was shuffled around to take the water holes, the watering areas away from them. 
and then they were told, this is your last best chance, go for it. Then uh, uh, the Israeli prime minister is in the process of annexing uh, some of the land. So Palestinians clearly are going to see this is it. They can't accept this. Uh, it will be almost too late at this point. So what's beyond this? Something extraordinary because there's no more negotiation. I can't think of something more guaranteed to provoke immediate conflict. And just because Saudi Arabia thinks it's great doesn't mean the immediate uh, uh, areas will. And I'm sure Jordan is fuming over this, even though they have not got a much history other than initially with the establishment of the state. They don't, they're not set to attack Israel, but this is going, as soon as Syria settles down, this will cause a follow-up war, I'm sure of it. We've had enough wars over there to last more no, than lifetimes. No, <laughs> more than lifetimes. Well, it's a sobering topic. Our guest, Lincoln Steed, we've been talking about the evangelical drive to Armageddon, really, is what it amounts to. Yes. Lincoln, thank you for being with us as always. Always a pleasure. Interesting topic. By all means. And as we close, remember, folks, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. Be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.